This is season one, episode two of the LCRR podcast. Today, we welcome to the show one of the hottest young up and coming comedians in California. In addition to having a Twitter following the size of an overstuffed federal prison, <laughs> she's also part of the Emmy nominated writing staff for Robot Chicken, an adult swim show whose surreal fragmented takes on reality seem to mirror our disjointed world more and more every day. Ladies and gentlemen, for the first time ever, welcome to the LCRR podcast, Ellery Smith. Ellery, how you doing? Good. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. Well, you're out there in Los Angeles, California, and we know times are tough right now. Are you uh, staying safe? Uh, yeah, I think honestly, I'm happy to be in California rather than, I don't know, like some Southern state. I feel like California is doing a fairly good job at making sure that people <laughs> stay. <laughs> well, I live in Texas, so oh, I'm not really? currently there right now. But uh, yeah, I, I'm sort of based in Texas most of the year. Uh, I'm not going to take any offense to that, but uh, what has the reaction been like in California? What makes it so good to be out there? Um, well, I think we just started social distancing really early, uh, which is nice. And it's, it was just, you know, taken very seriously. Like here you can't uh, go in any store without a face mask. Like you can't go mm -hmm. in any public place without a face mask. Um, so it's, it's like, obviously it's a, a big reaction, but I think it will be helpful in flattening the curve. So I do feel it, very safe here. <laughs> is it tough for you to social distance? Are you very social in your real life? Mm, well, I mean, obviously stand up is on hold, but other than that, no, it has not been very difficult at all. It's because well, I, I work from home anyway. So. Right. Right. And you write for robot chicken from home mostly. No, no. Then there I go into the office, but that uh, job is only on like four months out of the year. And the gotcha. rest of the time, I, uh, I'm a freelance writer and I, I work from home. Well, it's a, it's a tough time for comedy uh, right now. It seems like everything's kind of down. Everything's yes. kind of uh, on hold right now. Stand up, absolutely. And what are you doing? Are you, are you doing any virtual stand-up rooms, anything like that? I did do one virtual stand-up show. I didn't love it, but they paid me. That was nice. Huh. <laughs> what, is, what is the difference between preparing for the... Uh, you know, the real thing and just doing the virtual, what do you, what do you do? Well, I didn't, um, I didn't really tell any jokes at the virtual show because it was so, it's hard to deliver jokes to like a, to no laughs essentially, like just do your computer hey, I know screen. about that. Oh yeah. <laughs> um, so I just ended up doing like a, a Q and a for the most part. Huh. And so it's mostly like a podcast. Yeah, honestly. Like, yeah, it, it was basically a podcast. Best stand-up show you've ever done. Oh God. Um, I don't know. I did. I was the, one of the, uh, semifinalists for it's, uh, NBC's standup NBC, which is like a, uh, I, uh, NBC, uh, program. I don't know what to call it. It's not like a training program, but they, whatever they go across the country and they, um, find standups. And I had a really good one last year. Yeah. And do you do the same act every time or how often do you break out the new material? Um, I try to write a new five minutes every few months. Yeah. And, and then I uh, just, I add it to the longer act. You ever do anything, you know, just insane. I got to stand up back in my stand up days. Don't do it as much anymore, but I felt like my best night ever go up there. I'm wearing a tan sweater, tan pants, <laughs> bringing a scented candle up to the stage. And I just do a dramatic recitation of let her cry by Hootie and the Blowfish. And by the end of it, I had lit the scented candle about halfway through the song. I'm just in the crowd just, you know, I felt like the power of the earth is just coursing through me and just screaming. And I'm just kind of, and people loved it. It got a standing ovation. It's tough to top it. And it's tough to keep stuff like that fresh. I came out of the next show. I did a recitation of Stillborn by Sylvia Plath and it just completely flatlined. Nobody got it. You ever read any <laughs> Sylvia Plath? Uh, no, but I have tried to stick my head in an oven. I feel like that's enough. <laughs> 
Yeah, it's depressing. Depressing as a as a shaved dog. I wouldn't get into it, but that <laughs> that bombed pretty bad. I had a big, you know, sort of. I like the sort of meta stuff, and I liked to, you know, just toy with the idea of being a stand up comedian kind of thing. I remember once I had my friend bring me out on a dog leash, and I would have them introduce me as the big dog, and I was just barking at the audience for just like two or three minutes, and uh, that bombed as well. But <laughs> it's a it's a tough uh, it's a tough world stand up comedy, and uh, do do you find it depressing at all? Um, no, I find it to be actually very connected. I mean, I've been doing stand-up for a fairly, not a long time, but about seven years. And, um, I find it to be, I mean, obviously it's, it's hard to bomb. Um, but yeah. that's, I mean, that's with all, you're going to bomb in all art. Like if you're a writer or like anything you do could not go well. It's just in stand-up, the, you know, reception is more immediate. You, you know, immediately if people yeah. don't like it, but that's, yeah. it's, it's good if people don't like it. It tells you like what you should, it like, it should form your art and make yeah. you decide to do something else that people might like. All your stand up in LA or did you start in your hometown? I started in Albany, New York. Um, and then I moved to Boston for a few years and then I moved out to LA. Huh. Okay. And, uh, from Albany originally. Yep. Okay. Now that's a, it's a pretty small town, right? Well, no, it's the capital. It's a city. Uh, but I'm actually from like maybe an hour. I went to high school in Albany. I'm from like an hour uh, north of there. Well, I see that on your Twitter all the time. It seems like you sort of reference being from a, a small town. How small are we talking here? Are we talking Duluth, Minnesota small? Are we talking Kent State Gun Girls Brain small? Are we talking everybody's <laughs> on meth at the uh, high school graduation small? How small are we talking? Yeah, yeah. It's pretty, it's not a town. It's technically a village. It's, um, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's like it, it is really small. Yeah, it's, it's quaint for sure. Um, like when I go home, like I don't have internet access really. Like I have to go yeah. to like a Dunkin' Donuts to get internet. It's pretty. It's pretty rural. Wow, that is uh, quite a <laughs> that is uh, quite a disappointment to go anywhere without Wi-Fi. <laughs> what is it that got you into stand-up comedy? Was there something that happened? I know this could uh, be moving into some traumatic areas. I feel like stand-up comedians have these sort of uh, you know sometimes depressing stories about getting into stand-up comedy. But uh, what 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 was it that spurred you? Um, well, I was always a really big fan of comedy, and then. When I was in high school, I worked at uh, Trader Joe's and a woman there was, um, she did stand up and she like brought me to my first open mic and then I just kept going. Hmm. Do you still stay in touch with her? Yeah, she, um, she moved out to LA very briefly, but she, then she moved back to New York because she just had a big, like she was touring in New York, so there was no reason for her to be yeah. out here in LA. Um, and she, uh, she's great. I, she's the first transgender comedian passed at Caroline's I believe huh. or maybe New York comedy I don't know some some big New York uh, club she's she's wow. amazing she's so funny this is uh, Ellery Smith talking history here on the LCR podcast we are sponsored by AutoZone now offering curbside food pickup from stale pretzels to the best goddamn imitation slurpee you've ever had visit AutoZone today Ellery you're uh, trying to uh, make it as a stand-up comedian. You're making it as a stand-up comedian. You're making it as a writer. Where do you see yourself in uh, 10 years, say? Um, well, I'd hope to be, you know, in the writing union, staffed on some shows. I'd hope to, like, uh, run my own show eventually, but 10 years seems a little soon. Mm -hmm. And, and uh, with your career, do you ever feel like maybe that almost takes a backseat to your social media accounts? Because it seems like your Twitter is really popping. It's almost like you have your own show there, uh, I'd love to get into that. 
Your Twitter account, if uh, people aren't already surfing over to it uh, here as they listen, uh, it's got, what, uh, 150,000 followers, something no, like that. Your tweets is, go viral. 50,000. Oh, you know exactly. 50,000. <laughs> well, that's still pretty, that's still pretty good. <laughs> that's, uh, I'm still at about 1,600. Uh, it's got sort of a, it's got a very lively voice. You know, it's got sort of a, an original Thank slant you. on reality, on entertainment, on relationships. Uh, how much of it is the real you? How much of it is satire? Well, I wouldn't say any of it is satire. It's um, like a, it's like a heightened version of me, right? It's like, mm-hmm. it's, it's sort of, you know, there are kernels of truth, but it's like mined and expanded upon for comedy. And I just feel like I, I see you all the time. I do follow you, but it just sort of pops up because your, your tweets just go all over the world. Do you know <laughs> when you're writing one of these tweets that, oh yeah, this one's going to go viral. This one's no, going to go viral. I have no idea. I always think that like, yeah. like the ones that I really like don't do that well. And the ones that I think are sort of stupid or like, I wish I had could rewrite go really viral. Do you think Twitter will ever get an edit button? Um, I hope that they don't. <laughs> yeah. Well, you just got to put it down I should learn to, I should learn to let it sit and punch it up before I set it out. What's the key? What's the key to becoming, you know, a well-known and uh, well-respected Twitter personality like yourself? Well, you have to be a very beautiful 20-something, first sure. of all. Sure. <laughs> well, we don't usually let people who are this attractive on the show, but we're making an <laughs> exception here today. No, I'm just kidding. It's um, just tweet a lot, honestly. Like, really, you know, it's a, it's a numbers game. Just shoot out as mm-hmm. many as possible. And also, uh, you know, I think Twitter has been very helpful in sort of finding my comedic voice, but it hasn't mm. led me all the way there. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's sort of like, it's sort of like a comedy tool, but it's not the uh, comedy goal. If that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Well, do you get on Twitter a lot when you're not tweeting? I, I you know, I tweet, I probably tweet maybe once or twice a day. I don't do it probably nearly as much as is healthy for me, but mm-hmm. uh, do you actually go onto Twitter and read other people's feeds? I just, I can't yes, do I'm that. On I Twitter- find it- I'm on Twitter all day long. <laughs> really? Wow. I yeah. find that to be so depressing. Um, it, well, I mean, these days, yeah, but I think... <laughs> you should see it on the 4th of July, right? <laughs> What's, uh, well, I mean, like, yeah, it's it's pretty sad politically right now. Um, but I think mm-hmm. inside of all that, like, I will be... I, I never feel to be surprised about how, like, one really good, well-written tweet can, like, really turn my whole day around. Like, it just it mm-hmm. brings me such... It's such like a serotonin hit to my brain to see like a, like a really well-crafted joke. Mm. This is uh, at Ellery Smith on Twitter. And are you on other uh, social media platforms, LinkedIn, uh, um, et cetera? I have, an, I have an Instagram account and it's just, you know, it's my name. <laughs> yeah. Well, would you consider getting on LinkedIn? No. <laughs> <laughs> Mark my words. In 10 years, LinkedIn is going to be the biggest dating site in the world. If you take Actually, that I... That has I do have a LinkedIn and people will like send you they'll like DM you on LinkedIn to ask you out. Mm. It's really inappropriate. Do you ever respond to them? Do I respond? No. Do you respond to trolls on Twitter? Mm, I try not to. Yeah. Just let it go. I think that's the best way to do it. I mean, there's just it's not my job to teach anybody anything. Do you know what I mean? Like I don't have to I don't have to engage. <laughs> mm. In fact, it's it's better not to. Yeah, just let it go. Uh, anybody ever say anything, though, that really got under your skin and you just said, you know what, I just got to slap this guy a new one? No, I mean, people are always saying really horrible, horrible shit. Sure. I mean, 
there's like I think yeah no there's some some dark parts of Twitter I've got some pretty heinous shit sent to me um so it's just better to not indulge because what people want is a reaction does it uh, inform your work do you kind of count social media as reality or do you try to do stuff that's more you know things you see in the real world what do you mean well, I mean, do you uh, do you find that you write a lot of jokes, you know, thinking that they, I, I don't know, could go viral on Twitter? Or do you just, uh, you know, have sort of a Twitter mode and then a real world mode? I'm just sort of writing jokes all day long. And some things I, I know would be are better suited for Twitter and some things I know are better suited for the stage. Yeah. Do you think Twitter has uh, taken something away from stand-up comedy? I think it's made a lot of people think that they can do stand-up comedy. <laughs> but, but do they have the always, guts? Well, this, this skill set doesn't always translate. Like people who are really good at Twitter might not be good on, at stand-up and people who are really good at stand-up are not always good at Twitter. Yeah. This is uh, Ellery Smith talking about the uh, differences between the virtual world and the real world right here on the LCR podcast. We are live across all podcasting platforms. Uh, Ellery, you're a, uh, Highly in demand. How many of these podcasts do you do, uh, you know, a week? Um, honestly, not that much. Before the quarantine, I was doing quite a few. And now I think people are sort of scaling back a bit. Yeah. Uh, well, do you think uh, do you think comedy will still have a place in the post-COVID world? Um, I mean, I'm, comedy will, yes. I don't know if, if stand-up live comedy will. Really? I mean, well, I think, at least in LA, I think they're, they're projecting that, like, groups of 50 aren't going to be, like... Groups larger than 50 are not going to be allowed to gather until like 2021. Wow. Yeah. So if, if it does come back, it will not be for a while. Well, I'm, I'm in kind of a similar boat. I do a lot of sports announcing. That's kind of my main, you know, uh, professional avenue, I suppose. And it's just been such a, such a hard time because they shut down all the sports. And you hear things about, okay, they don't even want to have uh, live sports, you know, maybe through the summer. Or if they do, it'll be something without fans. And uh, it just got so depressing that I kind of picked up podcasting uh, <laughs> just to, yeah, I got, I got so goddamn depressed. I said, I've got to, I've got to do a podcast. And it, it just is one of those deals where it's, it's such an unprecedented situation. Your Twitter feed has become kind of like a, uh, a live feed for the life of a performing artist during the COVID crisis. Can you talk about some of the, well, yeah, and I think this is, uh, you know, as, as, as funny as this has been, you know, this is actually kind of a serious deal. You've talked about uh, uh, some of the struggles you've had, uh, lack of health insurance during the pandemic. Would you, would you open up about that? Yeah, well, I actually have, um, I'm, I'm just about to lose my health insurance, but right now I have uh, Medi-Cal, which is like the state, mm -hmm. um, whatever, this, this, the public, option for health insurance out here. And, uh, it's another great thing about California. It's like, it's, it's not the best insurance, but it is like absolutely free health insurance huh. and very few people have access to that, but it's not, it's like really bare bones coverage, Yeah, but it's a nice thing. And so you are going to continue with that here or you, you um, said well, you're going to lose it here. I just, I just, I made $600 too much money. No, oh. I just priced out of being able to like qualify for it. Damn. I know. And I don't make enough money to go on the exchange. It's going to be, but I have until January to figure it out. You have until January to figure it out. Oh, so you still have it for the next, uh, like six months. Yeah. Six. Oh, okay. Okay. So you do have, you do have time. I mean, you can, you can enroll in the affordable care act. Come. Yeah. Yeah. 2021 is what you're saying, right? Still, um, still fairly, uh, prohibitive, like price wise. <laughs> mm. 
Well, I, I, you know, I really feel for you. Do you uh, think that there's going to be changes that come to the healthcare system because of uh, this crisis? I, I really hope so, but I'm not necessarily holding my breath. I think that, yeah. you know, uh, specifically in America, people think that people prefer not to pay attention to social safety nets and uh, we forget that we need them even right after a crisis. Yeah. Well, I, maybe the longer that this lingers, the more uh, sort of people will take it seriously. That might be one of the silver linings. Uh, do you think society is going to get better or worse as a result of this crisis? It's already pretty bad. Hmm. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, I can't, I don't think it will get better or worse. I think it will stay absolutely the same. It's, I mean, I think through this, you know, crisis, we, you do see more people volunteering at the community level. And I think that's nice, but I don't know that, you know, any large societal shifts will happen. Well, I, I certainly hope some do. Uh, we have to remember to preserve the arts and to keep on pushing uh, forward uh, with those. I think so many times that's uh, you know the first the first victim of the crisis is is just uh, the things that are seen extraneously, comedy, performing arts, uh, things like that. And, and you've been involved in what I think is one of the most artistic shows on television. Maybe people describe it like that. Other people describe it like that. Robot Chicken. Do people uh, do people view it as as real modern art? Ah, uh, no, not so much. People usually go, "Oh, that show is still on." Really? Yeah. Huh. <laughs> what uh, what year did it start? It's just in its tenth year, so yeah. 2010. 2010. Robot Chicken. I got my fact checkers. Going to get back to me here on, on this in a, in a second. But what year did you start writing for the program? I started in 2017, January 2017. Yeah. And how does one actually get, you know, a job on a robot chicken? Uh, well, they when you apply to um, shows, right, as a writer, you typically, sure. um, if it's not a, if it's it's like a late night show or like a sketch show, you, you pull together like a packet and yeah. then you submit that you know, with your resume and then they go through all the submissions and they uh, bring in the best writers. And what do you put in that packet? Uh, well, obviously this was a sketch packet. So it was just a few sketches. Um, and then I also had a, a spec that I sent them. For Robot Chicken or for a different show? For Broad City. Oh, Broad City. Okay. Yeah. Uh, there's a show that, uh, there's a show that I'm asking. Is that still on? I actually don't know. I think it is not. I think maybe last season was last season. No. But 2005, Robot Chicken started in 2005. Oh, so maybe it wasn't the 10th oh, season, not the 10th year. I'm sorry. Gotcha. Well, it's still, you know, it's, it's still the 10th season. You're definitely right on that. And do you meet Seth Green? Does he uh, come to the yes. door and open it for you? Yeah, he, uh, he's in the room quite a bit. Really? So what is, yeah. uh, what's, the, what's the scoop on Seth? Oh, he's great. He's the best. He's the best boss to have. Nice guy. Super nice guy, very funny, huh, very smart. Seth, Seth Green, so he's still involved day to day on the show, pretty much. Yeah, for the most part. That's uh, that's one of the all time, I think, funniest of the uh, Generation X. I think he is maybe the funniest. Well, is he Generation X? Born in the seventies, something like that, right? Uh, yeah, I would say he's Gen Gen X. Is what's before that? Is there one before that? Uh, nothing happened before that. Yeah, nothing happened before 1970. <laughs> I would think that would be the boomers, but uh, I'm not sure he fits into that category. No, no, he's definitely not a boomer. He's he's still young. 
Do you do you find that to be uh, you know an insult if you call somebody a boomer? Boomer? No. <laughs> Favorite boomer? Uh, my mom. Okay, I was going to say Franklin Roosevelt, but uh, he's not I a really boomer. Disagree. He would be a. <laughs> Yeah, he'd be whatever it came. Yeah, whatever that was. <laughs> sure. Well, important fellow nonetheless, and a heck of a good cook from what I understand. Uh, and, and when you meet somebody like Seth Green, do you have, I mean, you know, do you ever get a little bit starstruck and say, this is the guy, you know, from Rat Race? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. But that happens in Los Angeles all the time. Are there famous people that you've met or worked with? Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Especially on Robot because we have so many... Uh, Voice act, like celebrity voice actors. And do you write them specifically for the guest star, or do you just write no? Sketches? It's it's not a guest star so much as uh, we just write sketches and then we um, we'll think about who we want to play those people, and then that's yeah. how we pick uh, you know what quote unquote guest stars are on the show. And do you ever call somebody and they just say, "Hell no"? Yeah, all the time. Yeah. <laughs> and what do you say? Just thanks for your time. Yeah, I go. Thanks for listening to it. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. What's the what's the best sketch that you've written, do you think, or been involved in on, on Robot Chicken? Um I don't know. It's it's hard to say. I wrote one about Hey Arnold that I thought was really fun. Yeah. yeah. Great show. Great show. Very deep show as well. And uh you know, how do you guys approach it when you do you do you just write it all, you know, different people write different sketches and you kind of just throw it together? Do you have overarching no it's, concepts no it's people just go off and write their own thing and then they come back mm. and we, we stitch it together in one to one episode and you you read so much about it on south park they kind of put these together in such a short period of time how long does yeah, a typical is, robot yeah how long does a typical robot oh, chicken like months and months and months because it's stop really? motion huh. yeah so it's it, it takes a long time like it, if you see one of the an episode air that episode was probably made at least a year and a half ago Huh. Do they still use clay? Still use Play-Doh? Well, it's um, no, that's that's claymation. Stop motion is. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we use all different types of uh, material to make the puppets. Yeah. And, and do you keep the puppets after, or do you just kind of flush them? Um, I think that they they keep them because for, for the most part, well, they either keep them or they repurpose them into a new puppet. But they can like reuse. Um, some of them huh. other sketches how long do they want the show to last i don't know i have no idea probably forever who knows as long as it's yeah. making them money well it's yeah, i mean the simpsons have been on for about uh, 30 years and family guys yeah, about 20 years so these, these cartoon shows can be such you know good uh, retirement plans um they can be this one is not it's not non-union so it's not all that <laughs> much money well, well, you have to kind of, yeah, explain that to me. So you don't, you get the job on Robot Chicken. They don't, uh, you don't get in the union. What, no, uh, what's no, the deal with that? Uh, well, I could probably be in the animation union, but the WGA is, um, there are very few shows that qualify for, huh. to be in the union. But if you're in it, it's amazing. Yeah. And what is it that, uh, why, why is it that some of them can get in and some of them won't let um, you I actually, I actually don't know why some are union and some are non-union. I assume it has to do with them. Um, like what the production company or whoever, whatever is paying for the show uh, wants to pay their employees. Like if they want to, like, I think a show could unionize. I don't really know. Huh? Well, 
I hope that, uh, I hope that, uh, that, uh, well, I don't know. I don't know if I should say, I hope one day it unionizes or not. Should I say that? Let's just hope that I get on a union show. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Dream show for you besides robot chicken. Um, I would like to write for last week tonight. I think that would be a good fit for me. Last week tonight, John Oliver. Yeah. A good show. Funny show. Uh, do you, I mean, do, how, how does that work? Do you just call them up and say, Hey, I got a spot on robot chicken. If you don't want that, I'm, I'm available for another show. Um, no, every year shows will ask the like send out, um, requests for packets, right? Like I said before, like that late night packet and, uh, then your manager will be like, Hey, like John Oliver's accepting packets. You should write one and get, send it in. And then that's how you apply. Well, we'll certainly uh, serve as letter recommendation or a uh, reference for you if you need. Oh, yeah, absolutely. This is the uh, LCRR podcast now broadcasting across the world. Last week, we were the uh, fourth most popular podcast in Ukraine. And so we have plenty. Is that true or is that a joke? No, no, that's true. We have a lot of Eastern European fans. That's true. Yes. And we have have blanketed that Eastern European market. I am on two of the three most popular dating sites in Lithuania right now. And we, it's just complete spam. We will match with people and then send them the link. And that's uh, kind of how we do the farming on this. We're trying mm-hmm. to grow. We've only had two, uh, two guests. We've had Boog Shambi, who's an announcer on ESPN. And now we've had Ellery Smith, who is a writer on Robot Chicken and one of the hottest young up-and-coming comedians in all of California, all of the world, I would like to think. Uh, what, what is it uh, that you're going to do the rest of the day? I assume you're, you're in quarantine, right? I am in quarantine, yes. I am probably going to go back to sleep after this. Okay. <laughs> and uh, who knows what's next? How many hours do you sleep a day right now? Um, anywhere from 8 to 13. Hmm. Well, that's a, that's a healthy range right there. <laughs> <laughs> I have nothing better going on. It's a, it's a nice recharge. Well, well uh, do you feel like... Do you feel like this has uh, been a productive? We hear all these people, you know, some people are writing novels. Oh, uh, fuck I, saw that. Somebody... I feel like it's, it's so hard to be productive now. And it's like, you shouldn't be, I'm like, I feel like a lot of people are punishing themselves for not being able to be productive, but it's like the, it's the scariest time to be alive. Why would anybody be productive? Yeah. Interesting take there. Uh, do you have any quarantine goal though? Is there anything that you absolutely are looking to finish? I would like to write a new sample by the time that this is all over. But I think that's possible. How many drafts do you write? Do you just, you know, one, two, three? As many as I need to. Yeah. Constantly tweaking and redrafting and rearranging. Do you have people read them out loud or do you just keep them to yourself before you send them off? Um, I pretty much keep it to myself. Do you read them out loud in your head? Out loud in my head? <laughs> sure. <laughs> Uh, I guess so. Yeah. Now that'll work. Uh, you know, I, I feel that same way as that people are putting a lot of pressure on themselves to try to get things done. Uh, whether it's, it's over-exercising, it's, uh, uh, reading a stack of books. I saw somebody who's got 60,000 signatures during this quarantine on a petition to re-legalize horse meat in America. <laughs> Jesus Christ. I know. Yeah. 60,000. Can you believe that? And, and, <laughs> Wouldn't you believe it? That was just from people in Arkansas. So he's got a long way to go for the rest of the uh, rest of the world. Uh, I heard you earlier. You're talking about the South. Speaking of Arkansas, do you spend a lot of time in the South? Um, 
my mom lives in South Carolina. Oh, okay. So I spent a good amount of time there. Um, Bluffton. Bluffton. A lot of heart in Bluffton. Beaufort County, that's true. Yeah, a lot of laughter, too, from what I understand. And uh, do you you get out of L.A. a lot? Go visit your family? Go visit your mother? Or do you mostly Um, just kind of Not necessarily. It's it's fairly expensive to fly um, from California over east. So I I go back maybe once a year, twice a year. Well, that's... uh, that's a good margin to to see the family, I'm sure. Uh, is your mother involved in company? No, no, she's an accountant. <laughs> oh, an accountant. Well, yeah. there's laughs in accounting as well, from what I understand. No, there aren't. Is she your money manager? <laughs> no. <laughs> Sorry, Do you I have a money manager? <laughs> I, don't have any money. I don't have any money to manage, so it's not that. Ah. If I ever get some, maybe she will be, but no, I can hack it fine for now. Well, I'm sure that you, I'm sure that you do, uh, have a bright future ahead of you financially. Uh, you've got the popularity. You've put down the the tracks, and you've got uh, you've got your youth as well. You're only about uh, 25, 22? Yes, good, very good. Twenty five years old. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's good. That's that's a lot of time to still you know sell out and, and uh, make money. I saw in a Forbes article. It, I think the headline was Ellery Smith leaves college to pursue career in writing. This is a great article that came out uh, maybe 18 months ago or so. Uh, what, were you, what were you studying in college? I was studying uh, writing for television and film. Oh, okay. Where at? Uh, Emerson College in Boston. Oh, I know Emerson. Yeah. So I, I was offered a job in my field, and um, I had one class left, and I just decided to uh, not take it. <laughs> you ever going to go back and take it? Um, I don't know. They, the school reached out to me recently to let me know that like my credits were expiring and that I had to, if I wanted to finish, I had to do it quick. Huh. But, and what did you say? Well, I don't have the money to do it. So I don't think oh. that's going to be something I <laughs> pursue. Do you ever think about just asking your Twitter followers for money for something like that? I, I, mean, I do listen, all the time. You do? I ask them for money. Yeah. I, I have a, I have a Patreon account. Um, really? Yeah. That people subscribe to and you know, could you plug that for us real quick? Can you tell it's people uh, Patreon, out there in Patreon, Ukraine? Patreon.com slash Ellery Smith. Is and it okay if they pay uh, in rubles? I'm sure that they could convert it online. Um, yeah, so it's it's like I it's like I post my diary there. They have access to my burner hmm. Twitter account and my um, close friends list on Instagram. Hmm. Patreon.com slash Ellery Smith. Yeah, absolutely. Exactly. This will get her the uh, final credit she needs at uh, Emerson. Uh, well, Ellery, before I, before I let you go, I just uh, did want to give you the chance to uh, talk here a little bit about, uh, well, I know it's something you're passionate about, but uh, the upcoming election, anything you'd like to say about that? You've got uh, definitely, I think you were throwing your support behind uh, Bernie Sanders, but yes. uh, where is it? Yes. Where are your, where are your uh, allegiances lying now? I think I'm just going to put a gun in my mouth before the election. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> no, I'll be going to collect on your Patreon account. Yeah, that's true. I'll, whatever. I'll leave to somebody in my will. No, I'll be voting for Joe Biden and I, I might even work on the campaign. I haven't decided yet, but I will really? absolutely be voting for him. Yeah. What would, uh, what would your role be? Would you think about getting into speech writing something like that? No, no. I would just, you know, do phone banking and canvassing and stuff. Uh huh. And, and, and what do you think uh, the odds are that he'll, He'll take it and return the, uh, return to the White House in a you know bigger shoes. Um, you know, I don't I don't like to predict because I don't want to jinx anything, and it's it's honestly it makes me really nervous that it it might not happen. Um, but that's why you know 
I have to go make phone calls and convince people to vote for him. Yeah. Well, it's a, it's a very, very important election coming up and, uh, on California, you're probably going to take California. I think that was pretty much yes, the bank. Yes. But there's he's a lot absolutely of... going to take California. Well, do you ever think about maybe, you know, maybe moving to a North Dakota or moving to a, a South Carolina, something like that, just to, uh, you know, kind of influence, uh, make your, make your vote count a little bit more? Well, no. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Well, that sounds, there sounds something, you know, that sounds nefarious, but I remember after the 2016 election, uh, Barack Obama did a town hall or something and, and somebody said, what could we do to make sure in 2020 the Democrats win? And he said, well, you know, think about moving to North Dakota, uh, no, which it's, has it's, about it's know, half true. of an electoral vote, but it's still yeah. every half vote counts. Absolutely. Absolutely. Never thought about doing that though. No, I mean, but that's... um my career doesn't really allow for that sort of mobility. Like I couldn't do what I do in North Dakota. It's not like I could, it's not like I have a job that I could just do in any state. Well, Fargo, that Fargo comedy scene is surprisingly, uh, is actually surprisingly vibrant. I was stuck in McDonald's <laughs> in Fargo once. And uh, one of the funniest nights of my life, there was uh, an 80 some odd year old gentleman, kind of sad, didn't seem to have, you know, a, a great grip on reality, but he had a coupon that he thought entitled him to twenty four ninety five off, and it was just something like you know, fifteen percent off orders up to twenty four ninety five, and he was just screaming at the cashier for just you know fifteen twenty minutes. There's a crowd gathering, stuff like that. Kind of a funny night. So you know, maybe maybe you can mm-hmm. think about maybe maybe you can think about it uh, down the line. Well. Allery, best of luck to you. This has really been a thrill for me. And thank you uh, so much for having me. This was so fun. Absolutely. Anything, uh, anything for you that you, that you like to promote? Any uh, other uh, Patreon-like uh, pitches? No, like I would usually promote the comedy show that I run, but since that will be on hiatus for. Oh, that's right. Funnelingus. Funnelingus. Right? Yes. Is is that exactly what it sounds like? It's an all-female comedy show. All-female and non-binary stand-up comedy show. It, it is okay. Well, that's a that's a you know, on hold for now because of the COVID crisis, but it's back and stronger on than pause. ever. Yeah. Hopefully we will come back tenfold. Yeah. Well, I think so. I would, I would absolutely hope so. And, uh, we know that your career is skyrocketing and will continue <laughs> to, uh, burn strong, burn hot. So oh, Ellery, thanks so, so much. nice. Thank you so much for having me. All right. Absolutely. This has been Ellery Smith and, uh, this has been the LCRR podcast. Make sure that you do Uh, Check us out at your local auto dealers. We've got our new sponsorship deal with Hyundai. Listen to the LCRR podcast and get $5 off your next vehicle purchase. Until episode three, Joey Zanaboni signing off saying thank you so much for listening. LCRR.